Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Aaron. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Flashback Friday. We are taking you to an interview with 80s icon Emilio Estevez. Aaron had to sit this one out, sucker. So I had, him all, I had him all to myself. He could not have lived up to my expectations anymore. He was just so enjoyable, such a pleasure to talk to. And uh, I have not gotten the invitation to his housewarming party, but I think maybe uh, mail is a little slow these days. I think it's coming. Uh, and COVID. You can, and blame COVID. The, you can blame the pandemic. So, Emilio, I get it. I get it. I'm waiting. Uh, anyway, he wrote, directed, starred in, he, he did everything for this film. It's called The Public. It's about a library in Cincinnati during the coldest front that they've ever seen. Uh, deals with homelessness. It deals with all these issues that we still face to this day. So we wanted to bring this interview back, not only because it's Emilio and why not, but because uh, we are in a time where our, our services such as the post office are in threat. And we want to remind you that uh, libraries are still out there and you really need, we can be supported. We should be supporting them and we should remember that these are lifelines for a lot of people. So uh, check out The Public. It's streaming on Amazon and YouTube and enjoy this interview. All right, I don't think I need to do any introductions here. Mr. Emilio Estevez, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you on Bitch Talk. My pleasure to be here. Well, I want to thank you for this film. You're here to promote The Public, which you wrote, directed, produced, you starred in. Is that it? Did you do lighting? Did you do some grip work? Anything else? <laughs> kind of an underachiever here. Yeah, you know, I was sort of, I, I was not, I was lacking that uh, while we were shooting for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is You know, it's, it, this is, I've been working on this for 12 years. And, um, and you know, you, you, when I first began the project, of course, I had, a lot of support and, you know, a big producing team and lots of, you know, everyone was rallying around it. But then as the years went on and as, you know, we lost our funding and mm-hmm. obviously the world changed quite a bit mm-hmm. during the during the course of, of trying to get this picture made, uh, I found myself more and more alone. Uh, and then it was, okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to step up and do an, a, a, a few jobs here mm-hmm. to get this thing made. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I did. And, and, you know, I think that the movie is probably way more relevant now than it would have been had we made it 10 years ago. Absolutely. Even absolutely. five years ago. Yeah, th- that's what I was going to say is uh, these things happen for a reason. Uh, it yeah. was, maybe it was meant to come out now. Uh, specifically, I mean, you're talking about social activism, mental illness, right. homelessness. Uh, we're talking about the biggest cold front that Cincinnati has ever seen. I mean, global <laughs> warming. Right. So I don't know. It's, right. it's, it's serendipitous in a way. It, it is, sadly. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, it's that fine line, especially when you're asking an audience to, to you know, dig into their wallet and, and come and pay to see this movie. You know, the, the, the question we've asked ourselves is, well, you know, is this something that the same uh, stories are they going to see on the evening news or online? And what I've, I hope that I've done is I've made an entertaining movie 
as well as a movie that deals with a lot of the social issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, because certainly, as we've screened it across the country, and I'm, I've got another two weeks left of this cross-country screening tour that I'm doing, mm-hmm. uh, where I'm going from city to city, uh, screening for uh, at libraries, uh, at some film festivals, for uh, homeless advocacy groups, and and along the way that the audiences continue to react and laugh and and be moved by the piece. So I think that uh, yes, you can see w- w- a lot of what we th- we're talking about on the evening news, but you're not going to see it in this way. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see it told in an, in an entertaining and uh, and heartfelt and and also very funny way. Yeah, a- absolutely. I wanted to talk about the setting of the library, and uh, you started thinking about this story 12 years ago, and it was because mm-hmm. you were doing research for your 2006 film Bobby, correct? That's right. And you were That's doing right. research. You were just chilling at the library in L.A. doing research, Emilio Estevez. That's peak L.A. right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would, uh, it was actually uh, uh, history and genealogy in the basement there, and, and it's a very big library. Right, so yeah, it, I've been it's there, it's great. One of, the, one, one of the few floors that you can actually hide out. <laughs> and, and on Bobby, you know, this was, um, this was prior to uh, the, the L.A. Times being completely digitized. And available online, and so everything was on microfiche. Mm. So it was the daily grind of I love the microfiche. The putting the microfiche <laughs> it's up, so and fun, yeah. Through it and stopping, <laughs> or not stopping, and and hitting print, and it's a dollar a page. Right, right. right. So, uh, so there was a there was a lot of that uh, in 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 the research for Bobby, but then this article comes out uh, in 2007, after we had wrapped up. Pretty much all the all, everything we had, that was left to do on Bobby was done by that point, and I was looking for a follow-up film and wondering what what the heck it was going to be, and I read this article in the L.A. Times called "Written Off." Uh, online, it was uh, printed under uh, on, on the website Tom's Dispatch, and that title of it was "What They Didn't Teach Us in Library School," and it was written by Chip Ward, who was a retiring Salt Lake City librarian, who basically was talking about how libraries have become de facto homeless shelters and how librarians were now uh, forced into being first responders. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is all before uh, librarians were, or were they're now uh, trained in the use of Narcan to treat uh, opioid overdoses. That's insane. So yeah. it is, uh, as you said, it is. Uh, these things have a way of finding their own time uh, that doesn't necessarily line up with, with ours and uh, and our our own impatience to get mm. things done but um but listen i'm i'm grateful um for you know being able to have had the opportunity to make the film and the fact that it's now landing with audiences is uh is just the icing on the cake right that just that just makes it all worth it to see that people Indeed. not only people that that didn't maybe didn't know this situation that's happening in the libraries, but also for librarians themselves to watch it and say, "Okay, you got it right. You you finally shared our story." Because uh, did you notice any stories like this when you were spending all your time in the library? Did you see a, a, a lot of homeless people just sort of hanging out in there or or anything? Oh yeah, come huddling up? to come in and huddling before they go out, and not wanting to be out in the elements. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, most of the shelters will cl- will will clear out. At around seven, eight in the morning would be the latest. And now, if your library doesn't open until nine or ten, and you are in the middle of experiencing what we just went through here in the Midwest, uh, where we had this extreme polar vortex come through, and and, and people were dying on the streets, um, 
those two hours are critical. And then once mm-hmm. you're inside, you do not want to go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, libraries were, were filling that need. And, in fact, I, I think it was finally a library just this year in Nova Scotia. Leave it up to the Canadians, right? <laughs> uh, library in, in Nova Scotia says we will stay open overnight. Wow. And all, and all are welcome. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, and how many of these, so you interviewed both librarians and, and homeless people for this film? That's or right. How did that go? That's right. Yeah. And, well, it went, it went well. Um, you know, again, there, when you are researching as uh, a filmmaker, as a screenwriter, uh, the, you're often met with a certain amount of skepticism. Uh, and, and also there is the, the, the need to try to be anonymous. Uh, as possible, so mm-hmm. you can observe people in their in their natural state, if you will. Uh, so and, and not putting on a show because it's me, right, right. Uh, but the librarians that I uh, spent time with and I was able to uh, observe and and uh, and speak with uh, were all very helpful, and uh, they were. Um, I think they understood the mission. What they didn't ultimately understand was how long these things can take to get made. So I think there was, <laughs> if anything, there was some you know level of frustration. Is when are you going to make this damn thing? Yeah. Right. Yeah, when is this so thing funny. ever going to get done? And yeah. When's it, and then once we made it, when's it coming out? Because you know these days with uh, independent film, uh, it, it seems that the easy part of it is making it. The, the tough part then is, is, is marketing and distributing it and making sure that your movie actually does get seen. That's so funny because I, I have a little side project I'm, I've been working on for six years, and I get that question all the time, and I'm like, trust me, when it's ready to be seen, I will be shouting it from the rooftops. Leave me That's alone right. in the meantime. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, people, you know, again, they... <laughs> Uh, you know, oftentimes people think when a movie comes out on Friday, well, they must have just finished working on it on Thursday. Yeah, you just shoot <laughs> it, you just put the thing together, that's it. What's wrong? Let's take it so long. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, right. I love the, it's it's, so it's great to have the excitement and the follow-up, but it's like, okay, leave me alone, please. <laughs> but on that's the right. on the topic of these librarians being, you know, both social workers and first responders, uh, obviously there's some scenes in, in the film that are both funny and, you know, hard to watch. Um, how many of these stories came from actual real-life events? Well, so, you know, there's a sequence in the film. You remember the sequence where, every, where, the, uh, where the patrons are asking one silly question. Oh, yeah. Another. And they're not yeah, all yeah, silly, yeah. but the majority of them are. Uh, <laughs> those are all real-life questions. Oh, my God. Those are I, the librarians <laughs> that I asked. I said, give me, the, give me your top ten. What are your top five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, then, and then there are a lot available online as well that, that, that I gleaned uh, from uh, even the very last line in the film where the patron asks, I says, I'm, I'm looking for a miracle. Can you help me find one? Uh, that is not invented by me. That's, a, that's an actual question wow. um, uh, that was asked of a librarian. So I thought that was, an, that was, a, way, that was a, a really apropos way to end the yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. for a miracle. No kidding. Um, but, um, uh, I was, um, I was fortunate enough to, uh, ultimately be embraced by, uh, the, the library world. Uh, we took the film to ALA conference down in, um, in New Orleans last June, and we screened for several thousand librarians uh, over a, over a weekend. And the very first screening, I mean, you can imagine, uh, I was sweating bullets because <laughs> yeah. I thought if we don't stick the landing with librarians, we're cooked. Right. And and so I, the movie ends. I 
come down the uh, from from uh, you know backstage, and I stood to face my what I thought my were going to be my executioners, <laughs> and uh, they were wildly applauding. And then the very first question that came out of the audience was, "How did you get us so right?" Oh, I love that. So I breathed a giant sigh of relief. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we took the film up to um, Seattle for the midwinter ALA conference, the American Library Association conference, and uh, once again, same reaction. And as you know, as you as you probably know, there are there are 100, almost 120,000 libraries across the country, not not uh, counting the academic libraries. So, uh, you know, if they, if if librarians mobilize. Uh, behind the film, and they and they go out and see this. I think that uh, they could be making some noise on on our behalf. Right. Yeah, I love I love that you're just kind of reminding people, hey, these are still institutions. These are still here. We need to protect them, and and we need to we need to support them. Well, and that's the basis of Eric Kleinenberg's book, Palaces for the People, that just came out recently, where he talks about how libraries are the are the cornerstone. Of the social, what he what he coined the social infrastructure that a that a thriving uh, democratic society will will and does uh, rely on, mm. and that we shouldn't be defunding these uh, you know free for all spaces and institutions. We should be doubling down, and we should be building more of them. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, in, in terms of these special institutions you you were shooting this in a functioning library in Cincinnati so Cincinnati that's correct you, you live there now correct you moved out of LA well I have a I have a place there that's uh, it's in disrepair so I'm little by little it's an old brownstone uh in in the, in the heart of the downtown area and actually in the over the Rhine area and I'm I'm in the middle of of rehabbing it it was built in 1881 so if wow. you can imagine yeah it's got some uh, it, you know it's it, it's a beautiful old building but uh you know, with that uh, aesthetic comes uh, with uh, a lot of uh, work to do yet. Oh, well, well, I can't wait for the housewarming party. I accept. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Yeah, well, I, I just, I really appreciate this film because it deals with extremely heavy topics, but, but you've said, you know, there's an audience out there for, for a more kinder, gentler movie. Uh, it, it's just real easy to be cynical these days and, and, you've really chosen to show the humanity side. And, and I think that speaks to you just in your career and as a person. In, in all your years in Hollywood, you've really maintained this sort of humility, this sort of like good guy in Hollywood, you know, someone to give us hope. <laughs> like we're oh, not all de- shot to hell, but, but I really appreciate that. I don't understand how you've been able to do that. Because I've, <laughs> I've been doing this podcast for what, three years, four years. There's more right. dirt out on me than you. How do you do it? <laughs> You know what I um, I've managed to to find hobbies uh, because I, I think that if you don't uh, you will quickly go bananas hmm. and then and and then you are you, you you may lean into getting yourself into trouble you know for for ten years while I was you know in between movies and went off to do the way I was I got into winemaking and and I was growing my own food and learning how to bake bread and make Ooh. cheese and kind of homesteading yeah and. Uh, and, and and I got a real, you know, it was a lot of work, but it was a real thrill to have uh, outlets uh, to to channel my energy as opposed to, you know, going out there and acting like a damn fool, which you <laughs> see so many, so many people do. I don't you know, know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not pointing fingers at you specifically. I'm just saying all you have to do is go online and you can yeah. see who's acting up. Right, absolutely. And, um, and, and now we're certainly in a, you know, in, we're in a, a culture where uh, that is, uh, 
where people act up to get more uh, clicks and, and more likes and mm-hmm. more followers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and that, that touches on another important thing that you uh, wanted to represent in this film was uh, addiction. And right. not only dealing with the addiction and overcoming it, but then dealing with the repercussions of it coming back to haunt you. That's right. Uh, and, and, and being punished by the media who you know, want to continue to criminalize uh, the marginalized people and the poor mm-hmm. and, and those who have struggled with, with addiction. And uh, uh, so there's, um, there's a, yeah, his past is not something that he's running from, but I, I think that the, 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 what, where Stewart is in, in his heart and in his mind uh, is, you know, he's, he's, at a, he's at a really sort of quiet and, and, uh, and, and good place. And then all of this happened. Right. And, <laughs> and then himself, it all goes to shit. <laughs> right. And under these extreme circumstances, we'll see people relapse. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's not uncommon for, for someone who will maybe have 10 years of sobriety to have this, to, to, to have an incident happen. Uh, and, and we see a full relapse. So uh, I, I think that there's a measure of madness going on with, with his character that, you know, he's towards the end, he's really just trying to keep it together. Aren't we all? <laughs> well, yeah, indeed. Well, indeed. Emilio, Mr. Estevez, thank you so much for coming on Bitch Talk. I could talk to you all day. But uh, thank you. 33 years after we saw you in The Breakfast Club, we find you in a library again. I'm hoping, That's right. I'm hoping in another 33 years we can have another uh, rendition. We'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe you can uh, figure out another, <laughs> maybe sooner. another library story in 33, every 33 years. Indeed. <laughs> well, Indeed. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thanks Take for care. having me on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure. That was my interview with the incredible Emilio Estevez. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Uh, it was, uh, I think, Shark, can we end the year right now? Let's just end it on a high note. I don't, I don't want to carry on. Uh, please, please, please go out and see the public. It's out in theaters on April 5th. Uh, so check out listings near you. And go to bitchtalkpodcast.com for photos, past episodes. Follow us on our socials. Rate, review, subscribe. Do all these things. It really matters. And we really appreciate you. And uh, Emilio, if you're still listening, I'll see you at the housewarming party. 